the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. On this first day of Advent, we begin once more on the Church's great cycle of prayer and meditation around Christ's coming and living and being with us. And we live through the whole story as the year progresses. Christ's birth, his death, his resurrection, and we hear again his teachings and his vision for what the church might be in the world. We begin that year today with hope and expectation, joining in Israel's longing for the promised one to finally be with us. And we prepare to recognize what God is doing among us now and we offer ourselves to make straight the path for Christ's coming in the future. Each annual cycle, the church year that we have, develops our faith. It's familiar in its pattern, and it connects us in some way with every generation of the church. And it invites us to re-explore each aspect of the Christian life and connect it with our own ever-changing needs. So that means that technically every cycle of the church year and every Advent is unique and different because we've changed a little bit and because we, begin, we become more unique and different every day, right? And so it's a new way for us to see ways that we can express our own experience of God's ways in our life. And hopefully it opens up our hearts and minds to new insights that we learn from others or that we pick up in our own prayer and our own reading of scripture. But if we're going to take Advent seriously with genuine expectancy, it raises some questions for us. And the big question is, are we just play-acting, pretending to anticipate a birth that's already happened a long time ago? Are we simply making a show of waiting for Christ's return to judge the world? Isn't there something a little bogus about that people always think? Because it's not going to happen in my lifetime, so why prepare for it? It's kind of like adults talking about Santa. It just doesn't seem right. That's conversations for kids. So we look for Christ's return, but what do we expect? Surely Christ is already present and active in our world, but what are we waiting for in this season of preparation other than maybe looking forward to the season of Christmas. It seems there's a real tension and ambiguity built into all of the scriptures about Christ's return. Theologians sometimes talk about realized eschatology, this perspective that Christ has already come back to this earth through the Holy Spirit, and that each and every day we're experiencing the fulfillment of God's purpose. 
And then other theologians talk about future eschatology, that Christ has yet to come among us as promised, and that we don't see the fulfillment until then. So the whole idea of a judgment day. Neither alone gives us a complete picture of what Jesus taught and what the church believes, but both views are important. The past, the present, and the future aspects of Christ's coming are somehow all woven together. Advent isn't just a calendar time. We think rather of God's time, the right and opportune time, an eternal present where past and future meet and influence each other. A good example is when we gather together here each Sunday and we come forward for communion, we step outside of the world's time and we step into God's time where all creation with all its history and destiny is equally present. In the Eucharist we remember and relive Christ's actions we experience his presence in our life and our world now, and we pray for his coming again all at once. This rich, complex sense of time is really the essence of what the Advent season is all about. So we're going to hear lessons for the next few weeks as well that take us back and forward and present it's all over the place, and there are so many themes in Advent to hold on to that sometimes it can be overwhelming. So is it all just obscure religious theory? I don't think so. I think that's representative of how we humans live our lives. In some ways, our lives are linear. There's a beginning and there's an end, and there's a line that follows those two points. But while we live our life, we cycle through a lot of things, right? Sometimes we concentrate on who we've been. Sometimes the experiences of our past keep coming up again and again and again, and we deal with them as best we can, and then they go away only to come back again. Sometimes who we are now helps to determine who we're going to become. And we see things differently, don't we, as we grow older and we have new experiences. And we continue to deal with issues that we've had our whole lives maybe and still can't resolve. So with the coming of Christ and that whole concept, our own lives weave together the past, the present, and the future into one. So as we cycle through all these readings of Advent and the rest of the year, they're going to speak differently to us maybe this year than they did last year or three years ago when we were back in the cycle A of the readings from Matthew. And this is why. The story of Jesus is profound. It's full of unresolved questions and ambiguous meanings, kind of like life itself. 
And I think if we have some deep questions about life and faith, we can't simply answer them with simple answers. They should, these questions of life and faith, continue to work in us and maybe eat at us or tantalize us our whole life. The same scripture that comforts us one year might be the very same reading that disturbs us the next year. So any issue worth considering in our faith or in our lives won't always have a clear-cut, one-size-fits-all answer. There will be a spectrum of fruitful responses, and there will be two seemingly opposite aspects that remain always in tension. So, for example, is Christ here among us now? Yes. Or is Christ yet to come? like the gospel reading today implied? The answer is yes. Is Jesus our friend that we can have an intimate and close relationship with? Yes. But is Jesus also part of the Trinity dwelling in this unapproachable light of majesty and mystery? Yes. Is Christianity a way for us to live in service to the world? Yes. Or is it a way for us to find inner peace? Yes. Is life a struggle sometimes or our faith a struggle sometimes? Yes. But it also can be a life that has joy and fulfillment and peace and hope. Is our life in faith more for self-care do we pray for ourselves more than we pray for others? Or is it about caring for others and the world we live in? Each of those pairs is supported in scripture and each reflects people's genuine experience. Our beliefs and opinions, our energy, our desires, our moods, they all fluctuate, inclining us now to one side and maybe tomorrow to another side of those pairs. We engage seriously with whatever aspect needs our attention today, knowing that the other is also important and that's what draws us out tomorrow. So maybe today I need to focus on self-care and my relationship with God because I'm tired and I'm hurt. But maybe later this year, I'll be more concerned about ministry to others because I feel a new spark of energy that comes through me in my prayer life. My prayer today may be to dwell on God's infinite majesty, and maybe tomorrow my prayer moves more into a deep spiritual worship. And I think it's better if we move freely between these poles and we appreciate the finely graded points in the line that connects them. I believe that there's no need to eliminate the challenging tensions that sometimes we feel in our faith or in the church 
and certainly in this season of Advent, but to accept them and to let them work in us, even if it's difficult work. It's natural for our lives and for our faith to have rhythms. Healthy balance is not just standing firm between two extremes, but rather moving among a range of possibilities and discerning, discerning what we need to hear and act on today. We don't shut ourselves off from one and cling to the other, nor do we settle ourselves in the middle where we feel no tension. That's not useful for anyone in any way. We need to stay receptive to new insights and new inspirations. So, for example, last year I had just retired as the night minister, and my advent was completely different from this year. My advent last year was one where I was really asking God, help me find myself and my purpose for my next life. I had no idea I would be here. And so it was much more of a spiritual, personal advent, devotion, and journey. This year, I'm delighted to be here, but I have to tell you that I'm so struggling with the images I see in the media about people who are suffering and struggling all over this world and our inability to seem to come to terms with it or to stop it or to at least even raise it up and call it what it is, evil in the world. And so I'm kind of torn in my own personal struggle between wanting to have Jesus come down and take it all the way, all the suffering, and just have peace on earth. And how does that happen? Either Jesus comes and says, let there be peace on earth and there's peace on earth. Wouldn't that be great? Or that Jesus would come down, kind of like the gospel lesson for today, and finally take control of evil in the world and set it straight and get rid of it once and for all. I don't have a definitive answer to what it's going to be like when Christ returns. But I do know this, <clears throat> that Christ is still working in the world. And one of the things that I know is that when Christ sees the evil in the world and the people suffering so, Christ is not shy away from it. Christ becomes a part of it and is in the middle of it with you and with me. And how does Christ solve the issues of the world? What did we learn from looking at the life of Christ? He never did call down the wrath of God, but he used his might and his peacefulness and his wisdom to come face to face with evil and challenge it, changing these hardened hearts and comforting people that were all around him suffering and changing the world by calling us to be a part of the answer. So 
When we pray each day, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth, we're not just expressing a pious wish. Wishing says that it has nothing to do with us, that we want God just to snap God's finger and take care of things. And that was my, that's what I'm struggling with. Wouldn't that be great? But when we pray, um, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth, God is inviting us to do the work of having God's reign show on earth. And we have to do this work. The rest of the Lord's Prayer simply asks for the resources that we need to carry it out, daily bread and forgiveness and protection for evil. And then we go doing what Christ did and still does. So as long as there's a world that needs love, Christ is calling us to be there. As long as there is evil to challenge, Christ is calling us to challenge that evil. As long as there is goodness to encourage, Christ is calling us to, to encourage that goodness. And here's the strange thing. While we are going about being Christ's body ourselves in the world, we find ourselves meeting Jesus face to face around every corner. The least of these, all these innocent victims that we struggle with, speak volumes to us about God's love and God's heart and God's purpose and God's presence. Just as Christ in the flesh, Jesus born in Bethlehem or Christ in the Eucharist or Christ in our hearts has made a difference in us, so Christ will make a difference in the world. So today we begin this Advent journey waiting for the Christ who's already come into our world and comes to us and to others through us as well as coming to us in scripture and in worship and in prayer day after day, season after season, year after year, present, past, and future all rolled into one. It's a lot to think about. There's a lot there, but oh my gosh, I'd much rather have a Christ with all of those dimensions coming into my life with all of my dimensions than a one-dimensional Jesus. So, with all of that in mind, we can sing with longing, O come, O come, Emmanuel. Amen.